Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, this morning we're wrapping up the series we've been in for the last eight weeks or so called Outrageous. And we've been looking at some of those statements of Jesus, those claims, those promises, those commands that just seem so 180 degrees off of the way that we usually do life. And very often when Jesus um, made these proclamations, he would say things like, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Because he says, this is, this is conventional wisdom. This is the way you're used to running your life. Let me tell you, there's, a narrow, there's another way. There's a better way. There's a different way. Let me show you God's way. And so when he said things like true richness comes from giving, that, that your weaknesses can actually be your greatest strength, that, that greatness is actually found in serving, there are kinds of things that we listen to them at first face value and we go, huh? That just doesn't make any sense. But as we looked at, as looked at each of these each week, we began to realize Jesus really didn't know what he was talking about. That it really does make sense that those things that seem so counterintuitive to us, when you look at them and you begin to think about them, you begin to put them into your life, you realize he really does know what he's talking about. And it's because God created us and he knows us and he knows how life is meant to be lived. And it's typically not the way we usually go about living our life. So today we're wrapping it up with one of what may be the most outrageous, although I think all of them would probably qualify, but this one kind of seems to sum up all of the other ones that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. And it's found actually in every one of the Gospels, a version of this is found. In fact, it's found repeatedly throughout all of the Gospels. Um, And let me read to you just a couple of different versions of it. John, in his Gospel, recorded Jesus' words this way, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Luke recorded it this way. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. Mark's a little bit more expanded version. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Die to live. Lose your life to save it, to find it. What in the world is he talking about? That just, it just, it doesn't seem to make much sense. What does it mean to deny yourself and take up your cross? What does it mean to lose your life? We're going to kind of unpack that this morning and hopefully give you a better understanding about what Jesus was talking about and what it looks like for you and me in our everyday life. So what does it mean, first of all, to lose your life? It simply means it's an act of surrender. To lose your life is an act of surrender. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, Understand the impact for Jesus' hearers when they first hear that. Because when he says, take up your cross, he is not talking about a piece of jewelry. He is not talking about a wall hanging somewhere as decoration. When he says, take up your cross, he is talking about something they know very, very well. Because crucifixion happened a lot. Particularly for those who were insurrectionists. 
people that were stirring up problems for the Roman Empire, because they would not only put them to death, they would do it in such a way that it would be an example to everybody else around, don't try this because this is what's going to happen to you. And, and Jesus was not the only person who was ever crucified. In fact, it happened quite a bit. And they would be left to hang for days and days and days, always as an example. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, you think your life is pretty much together, and you think you're a pretty good person, and you think all you need is a little bit of fine-tuning. What I'm telling you is you need something completely different. And to get that new life, that old life has got to die. And as much as, as, a, as a butterfly cannot stay a caterpillar and still be a butterfly... It's got to die to being a caterpillar so it can become a butterfly. It's got to die to that old nature, that old self that it was in, in, in order to get this new life. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's a very similar principle. He's just saying, listen, you can't just fix up your old life a little bit. It's not a little bit of spit and polish and you're all good. He's saying something fundamentally has to change in your life. And it means surrendering that old life. And that's what he's talking about. John Ortberg wrote, There is no way that a human being can come to God that does not involve surrender. There's no way. So what is surrender? Well, let me tell you a few things it's not. First of all, surrender is not fatalistic. It's, it's not just a passive acceptance of this is life and this is whatever happens and whatever happens must be God's will. It's not just kind of drifting along aimlessly through life. It's not an asceticism where, where you draw off and away from culture and away from society and you live in a monastery or a, or a convent somewhere, just totally disengaged from life. It's not just mindlessly drifting, not having to make any hard choices, never making any real serious decisions. In fact, you find it's just the opposite of that. The surrender often, very often, finds itself in a place of making tough choices, making really difficult decisions. That surrender is the willingness to let go of control of my own life. Mostly, mostly it is about obedience. It's obedience to God's way. It's giving up the controls of my life. And we all, do, we all live under this illusion of control. As long as life is working out and everything works really, really well, we have this illusion like we are in control of our lives. That it's all working out, it's all smooth, it's all easy going. I must be doing a great job of controlling our life, my life. And then somewhere along the line, a little hiccup, a speed bump, something happens. You go in for a medical procedure and the doctor calls you a few days later and says, there's some things that we're concerned about. We want you to come in for more tests. All of a sudden you realize, I'm not in control of my life. I'm, I'm going along, my career's advancing, I'm doing well in my business, and then, and then there's a financial downturn, and my company downsizes, and all of a sudden, I was making my way up the corporate ladder, and now I don't even have a job, and I'm not in control of my life. Or a family crisis comes up. Something comes up along the way, and we've lived under this illusion of control, and all of a sudden, we realize how very little control we have over our lives. It is like, you ever watch somebody bowling? Or, or, or maybe somebody, a putter, you know, golfing and putt, and, and they let go of the ball bowling, or, or they, they get that putt, and then they kind of bend it into the hole kind of a thing. You ever done that? Any golfers, any bowlers here? You ever done that? And you think, you think by just bending your body, you are willing that ball to go exactly where it needs to go. And it does. And you go, yes, I'm so great. 
I have control. You don't. Because once you let go of that ball, it's going wherever it's going. You're bending your body. There's not going to make one bit of difference. In it. And most of your life is like that. You think you are in control and you're making all these contortions and all these bends. And you think, I've got control of my life. It's all working out just right. And you hit one of those speed bumps. And you realize, I am not nearly as in control of my life as I thought I was. And Jesus said, the smart thing is to recognize that beforehand. Because that's what surrender is. Surrender is recognizing beforehand that I really am not in control of my life. In fact, there's a lot of my life that is totally out of my control, no matter how hard I try. And I'm deciding ahead of time, there's somebody who's better at running my life than me. And I give up. I give up control. It's entrusting my life ahead of time to someone who is bigger, stronger, wiser and smarter than I am. And I surrender control of my life. And that is a continuous thing. Luke's gospel, Luke, um, add just one more word to this. As he he heard Jesus say these words, this is one thing he caught. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, daily and follow me. Which means throughout the, the days and the weeks and the months of my life, I am making decisions every day about who's in control. Because see, this morning, it's Sunday, and we're in church, and we're singing about God's faithfulness and His grace and His mercy and His love. And it's easy, it's easy for an hour on a Sunday morning to say, my life is totally in your hands, God, because it's Sunday, and I love you, and I'm singing your praises, and I'm surrounded by all these other fellow believers, and this life is good, and it's great, and I surrender all, and then tomorrow's Monday morning. And it's a whole different thing. And you might be faced with a, with a decision that, that in your business, maybe, you're faced with the decision and, and, you, and you've got this opportunity. And if you choose to do it this way, it could really benefit you financially. It could really have a good payoff to it, except that it's going to mean sacrificing a little bit of your integrity. And you're faced with that decision right at that moment. You're going to, which one am I going to take? I'm going to surrender to God's way. I'm going to do it, what looks good for me in the short term. But it sacrifices something. Or in a relationship. And I'm faced with the decision. How am I going to handle this part of this relationship? Am I going to do it my way? Or am I going to surrender? See, every day is another challenge. Paul wrote to the Roman church this way. The message paraphrase. I love this. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's what it comes down to. It's the day to day. It would be as if you came to God on a Sunday morning and you said, God, I surrender all. It's like my life is a $1,000 bill and I'm giving you all of it. This is my $1,000 bill. I'm giving you all of my life. And it's like God says, okay, now go take that back, cash it in for 100,000 pennies and give me one of those each day. Because that's a little bit more what it's like. Yes, the big decision is huge. That's important. It sets the direction, sets the trajectory of my life. But every day I've got to make decisions about surrender. And that's what it means to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. It's mostly it's about obedience and surrender. When you do that, when you say no to yourself, the other part of that is though you are saying yes to God. 
Because it's not just about self-denial. It's actually an exchange. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What he's saying is there's two ways to approach your life. There's my way and there's God's way. And every day I make these decisions. And see, listen, if it's all about my life and I am the center, then it's all about my agenda. And the problem with that is, is if it's my agenda and everything needs to go my way, then I need to learn how to manipulate and control and coerce other people to get them to do things my way. And that's not good for me, and it's not good for them, and it's not good for my relationships with them. But you see, as long as I'm in control, that's what I've got to do to, to succeed at my agenda. If it's all about me, then it's my ego, and it's my pride. And then what I've got to do is I've got to maintain this image in front of everybody else instead of being honest in my relationships. And, I've got to, and then, it, then it becomes all about what other people think of me. And I think that I'm in charge, but really I become a slave to other people's opinions because I'm doing it my way. It's my ego. It's my agenda. It's my success. If it's all about my success, then I live with this constant fear of failure. What if I mess up? What if I don't succeed? See, if it's all about me, I think I'm in control, but I'm not. And instead, God says, no, you surrender. You say no to yourself. That's the first part. But with that, you also say yes to me, to my way. And those choices, it's not just self-denial. It's an actual exchange. My way for God's way. And it happens in every area of my life. And so I say, God, you're in control of my finances now. You're in control of my wallet. So if there is someone in need and I have the means to be able to help and you say give, I give. Because it's not my wallet. It's not my finances anymore. And yes, I've got my plans, but if you should mess up those plans and take me in a different direction, it's not just my life anymore. It's your life. And I want to follow you. I want to go your direction. In the early 1500s, there was a, a breakthrough in astronomical science because up until that point, everybody thought the whole universe revolved around the, the earth. Everybody, everybody believed it. It was common knowledge. It was commonly accepted. Everybody believed it because it just explained the universe so well that all of the universe revolves around the earth. And then this guy named Copernicus came up with this crazy idea that maybe the earth is not the center of the universe. In fact, maybe it's not even the center of the solar system. And everybody rebelled against that. They couldn't believe that. That was just outlandish. That's outlandish stuff. See, we go through most of our lives thinking it all revolves around me. And then someone comes along like Jesus and says, no, it doesn't revolve around you. And we go, wait a minute, that's messing with my head. I can't get ahead. It's not about you. There was someone far greater, far smarter, far wiser, far bigger. And you got to exchange this me first mentality for a God first mentality. And that's scary. That's scary stuff. And Jesus knows that about it. So he says these things. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What he's saying there is, who wants to save their life? I do. I want to save my life. That's why I eat the right foods most of the time. That's why I've taken up exercising. Though I hate it. I hate running. But 
I had to do something because my life was becoming a little too sedentary. And so, you know, I've always subscribed to my wife's theory that the only reason you need to run is if somebody's chasing you with a hatchet. <laughs> and I realized there is another reason to run. And I hate it, and especially on cold, windy mornings when my first leg is uphill against the wind, and I just feel like I don't want to do this anymore. But I do it because I want to save my life. I want to exercise. I want to eat healthy. I don't want to give in to bad habits. that will destroy my life. I will, even, I will even do that physical exam that is not very, very comfortable. I will do that. <laughs> I will do that because I want to save my life. Now, Jesus is saying, listen, you will do that. You will, do, you will eat right. You will, you, will, you, will, you will go for your medical exams. You will do exercise. You will do all those things to save your life. But he says, eventually, no matter how much you do, he said, just think about it. No matter how much you do to save your life, eventually you will lose it. You could live to be 80. You could live to be 90. You could live to be 100, 110. But eventually, every one of us in this room will lose their life. No matter how well we might eat and how often we might go to the doctor and all those other things. Everything we would do to save our lives. He says, listen, you want to save your life, but in the long run, eventually, you're going to lose it. You will. So he says, let's just stop and think about this from a different perspective. You're going to do all of this. You're going to do all this to succeed. You're going to do all this to advance your career. You're going to do all these things to amass that money. You're going to do, going to do all of those things, but eventually you're going to say bye-bye to every bit of it. Or, or, he says, you can decide ahead of time to say goodbye, and then your life changes. Then you find real life. You try to save your life, you're eventually going to lose it. It's a given. But if you would decide to lose it for my sake, you actually gain life. Because when it's not my finances anymore, and God says, I want you to give to someone else, I give a part of myself away. But what I find is something far more fulfilling and far more enriching in my life. That's what he talks about when he talks about um, that, that, that you give your life, you get back more. So what he's talking about when he says, when you serve, you find true greatness. He's saying every time you make that decision ahead of time to do it my way and you give up your way, what you find is a life that is far richer, far deeper, far more fulfilling, far meaning, more meaningful and purposeful. So when you're given the choice, when you know whatever you do, you're going to lose it anyway, why not decide ahead of time to lose it and see what you get in return? When you do, what you find is whatever it is that you've surrendered, what you gain in return is better. Whatever it is you give up, what you get back in return is better. See, I will not surrender. In fact, I would go so far as to say I cannot surrender unless I truly believe that God has my best interest at heart. I, I just won't do it. I can't do it. And that's why he says, listen, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? He's saying, listen, you make this exchange, but at the bottom line, the only way you're going to do that is if you believe that what you get in return is better. What would you give in exchange for this? Now, I, I have never done this, but you know how to catch a monkey? 
I, I have never done this, so I can't speak from firsthand experience, but I read it on the internet, so it's got to be true. <laughs> that if you, will, if you will take a gourd and, and just a, a small hole in it and put a banana or peanuts or some kind of reward in there, but to make the, small hole, the hole small enough that you can reach through with the hand but not pull back out with the fist, you can catch a monkey. It's on the internet. Look it up. Seriously, because even though freedom is just a matter of letting go, the monkey will not let go of the prize and instead will be trapped. Aren't you glad we're so much smarter than monkeys? (laughs) If you knew that on the other side of surrender was freedom, would you do that? See, that's what Jesus is saying is, let's do a a risk-reward. Let's do a cost-benefit analysis here. What good is it to someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What good is that? So he said, in other words, let's let's say you got everything that you wanted in life. Let's say you got that car that you've always dreamed of, that house that you've always wanted, that neighborhood that you've always, that your kids got into that school that you always wanted to get into, that you got that raise, that you got that corner office, that you got everything, everything that you think makes up your life. Let's say you got all of that. Just the whole world, whatever life, the perfect life is as you would define it. Let's say you got all of that stuff, but you got to the end of it and you found out the price tag was your soul. Would it be worth it? Everything you ever wanted. But you came to the end and you found out there's a, there's, a, there's a price on all of that stuff and the price is your very soul. Would that have been worth it? Or, 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 if, what well, can anyone give it for their soul? What if you got all that stuff, but you got to the end and you said, hey, you can give all that up and get your soul back? Would you do that? See, he's just saying, let's, let's just get a step back for a little bit. I know this is scary stuff, this idea of surrender, this idea of giving up, this idea of dying to yourself. I know that's really, really scary stuff. But if you thought about it in these terms, if you thought about it like this, that you could get everything else that you wanted but come to the end and find out it cost you something like your soul, would that have been worth it? And when you answer that question, you discover something about yourself. You discover my soul is really more important to me than all that other stuff, which is what Jesus is trying to get him to understand from the get-go. Now, I will only do that. I will only do that if I believe that God really does have my best interest at heart. So how do I know that? How do I know that? Because some 2,000 years ago, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, lived on this earth, totally human life, perfect before God. And on the very last night of his life, he met his final, ultimate point of surrender. And in a garden, in the dark of night, removed from everyone else, just him and the Father, he prayed these words. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, yours be done. He had lived a life of surrender his whole life. But when it came right down to the very, very end, and this is the make or break, will I or won't I? 
Will I or won't I? He made the decision of surrender. He said, I, if there was any other way, if there's any way to get out of this, if there's any other way of doing this, Father, <laughs> but not my will. Yours be done. And he went to the cross. And he paid that debt, not for himself, but for you and for me. And he says, it was worth it. It was worth it. You are worth it to me. That's what we know about God. That's why this whole surrender thing makes perfect sense when we realize that who we surrender to is someone who has loved us all along. And when it came to his point of surrender, he said, not my will, yours be done. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. 